Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? We now know who is going to be handling the NFL appeal of the Deshaun Watson suspension. It is going to be an independent arbitrator, so to speak, but maybe not so independent, according to Jeff Darlington. Peter C. Harvey has been named as the designee to hear the appeal, but he was named the designee by the NFL. And Jeff Darlington points out that he has a relationship with the NFL, having heard several team-related arbitrations in the past. So although maybe it doesn't necessarily mean he's independent, he is an outside party, meaning that he's not part of the league office. For this and plenty more, let's bring in the host of the show, Chris Carlin, co-host, of course, of Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Carlin and Canty have been hosting Greeny this week, filling in for Mike Greenberg. Carlin, thanks for stopping by. What's going on, guys? Thank you for, you know, holding it down, so to speak. You're welcome. Well, so to speak. I mean, we're doing the best we can here, Carlin, but there <laughs> has been better. breaking That's news. That's why I said so to speak. <laughs> so there has been breaking news darn near every day that we've done this show, and we got some more breaking news today. You just heard me mention it. Peter C. Harvey is now going to be handling this appeal in the Deshaun Watson scenario with the NFL. How do you react to that, that it's not going to be Roger Goodell? I'm not surprised because I'm sure it looks a little bit better, but let's be honest. I would expect him to do whatever the NFL wants him to do because this was the collectively bargained right of the league, and I think that's an important thing for everybody to remember. Um, this is an, this is something that was agreed to in the collective bargaining agreement. So. This is where I think, and Amber, you can please enlighten me some more on this from a legal standpoint, because my guess is it's going to be very hard for Deshaun Watson if he sues the league. Let's say the league makes it a one-year suspension. If he sues the league and pursues it further, it can't be that easy to get an injunction or a TRO when... uh, you're going to, as far as I understand it, the basis for a lot of these kinds of things would be based in an unfair ruling. Well, the, the NFLPA has already called it completely fair, the process, in their statement earlier this week. So I, I don't really understand how this is going to be able to um, go to Sean Watson's way if he does suit. Now, please. I'm assuming that I'm wrong on this, so tell me <laughs> if are, I am from a legal standpoint. You are practically a lawyer, Chris Carlin. Uh, you almost nailed it. I mean, it's well, really Well, I have difficult. two brothers who are lawyers. That pretty much makes me one. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> you, you sat next to one once, and you stayed at a Holiday Inn last night. So basically, <laughs> we assume that if this appeal goes the way that the NFL is hoping that it goes, and that still remains to be seen, then the NFLPA and Watson's camp may want to go to federal court, which is what you're alluding to there it would be really difficult for them to win in federal court they could try to get an injunction uh, which would allow him to play during the pendency of the proceeding in federal court Uh, that in and of itself will be hard to obtain but we've seen it obtained in the past for periods of time but in terms of ultimately being successful in federal court you're absolutely right they would have to prove that 
this has been, uh, you know, this has been a violation of Deshaun Watson's due process rights. So this uh, cuts against the concept of fundamental fairness. That's really, really difficult to argue when you're talking about an agreement that's collectively bargained. And so typically federal courts are not going to want to get involved in that because they're going to say, hey, you guys agreed to this, which is exactly what you said. This is the process you agreed to. And then it's probably very unhelpful to the PA and Watson's camp that we're talking about an independent arbitrator in step one. And now we're talking about maybe a less independent, but a designee in step two. So you're right. It would be very difficult for them to prove, but who knows? They might still try and pursue it. I know you have an interesting take though on if this does go like a season, if this thing gets increased in terms of the suspension, who should be the Browns quarterback? Do you still want them to go elsewhere and bring in somebody else? You're still not down with Jacoby Brissett? I'm not. And the, the reason is Jimmy Garoppolo's right there. The Browns have $48 million in cap space for this year, the most of anybody. They can actually go and trade to get Jimmy Garoppolo for virtually nothing. It helps the 49ers to trade him away for a seventh-round pick because uh, he's completely off the books, and he can't end up in Seattle, if that's the case, um, which if you cut him, he Seattle would be a place that would make sense for him because he's going to have a couple of good weapons to work with. Uh, you'd rather have him playing in Cleveland. And for the Browns, they're really a good football team aside from what's going on at quarterback. I would not want to toss the season away if I'm going to trust it to Jacoby Brissett. And I feel like that's what you'd be doing. If you want to try to weather the storm for a few games, okay. If we're talking about the entire year, Garoppolo's going to give me a chance. Mr. Carlin, speaking of the backup quarterback situation, let's switch to your Steelers. (laughs) Dear God. Perfect. Okay. So, Brooke Pryor, who is our colleague here at ESPN, was on 93.7 The Fan in Pittsburgh, and she said this about the quarterback battle, and I quote, it's been uninspiring to say the least. I think body of work as a whole, I've been most impressed with Mason Rudolph. He looked the most confident, the most accurate. When you hear that, just how concerned are you about this season? I feel like I just got hit with a mallet. I mean, (laughs) honestly... Mason, can we just, let me put it this way. Mason Rudolph is bad at football, okay? Mason Rudolph is bad at football. And so when, he, when she says that he has been the best of the group, that means the group has been bad. And so, listen, I, I don't expect a whole lot from the Steelers this year. I truly don't. I, I think it's going to be um, an uninspiring year from uh, the standpoint that I, I think they're, you know, while Mike Tomlin's a great coach, this is going to be his ultimate test. If they have a, a winning season with this, the guy should never be jobless ever again. Um, like, they should never fire him. Not that they would uh, at the moment, but it, it's, it's, it would be amazing if that was the case. So, uh, for me, I would expect this to be one of those seasons where they're not going to have a very good year, and by the middle of the year, you need to be playing Kenny Pickett. The one thing that people forget is that no matter who the quarterback is, their offensive line is still very much a work in progress, and that's being kind in saying that. So whoever it is is going to have their work cut out for them. 
Chris Carlin joining us, co-host, of course, of this show, Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson, and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. So, Carlin, we actually have some football tonight to watch, real football. I mean, real might be overstating it. Probably not going to get a ton of starters in this game, but nevertheless, it's NFL football. It kicks off 8 p.m. between the Raiders and the Jags. Are you fired up about the Hall of Fame game? I am fired up to watch two to three series of football. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Now, listen, I'm... I think they are two very interesting stories. I am, I am very interested to see Trevor Lawrence in year two uh, take a big step forward, and I, I would expect him to. I think Doug Peterson will have a very uh, positive impact on him. And I'm, I'm frankly excited to see the Raiders this year. I, I want to see what they look like with Josh McDaniels and now a tremendous player in Devontae Adams. And I have always been a, a Derek Carr fan. I think he's completely underrated Uh, with the player that he is. And so I think the Raiders, if you weren't, if they just weren't in that division, I'd feel really good about their playoff chances. But they are in what is going to be the toughest division in football by far. Chris Carlin, co-host of Canteen Carlin. Carlin, thanks for giving us some of your time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Coming up next, why the NFL is once again in a position to be reactionary instead of being proactive, that's after I have this word from Vivid Seats. The 2022 baseball season is in full swing, and you can be there to catch all the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem, and every walk-off. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets, get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every single ticket. From the box office seats to the bleachers, Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets with great prices all summer long. Just visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? 
former New Jersey Attorney General Peter C. Harvey, he has been appointed as the designee of Roger Goodell in order to hear the NFL appeal of the Deshaun Watson suspension. So that has been the breaking news as it pertains to the Deshaun Watson matter. I would expect, Nick, that we'll get some sort of response. Obviously, the NFL filed its appeal the NFL PA and Watson's camp has two days to respond, so I wouldn't be surprised if that response comes down tomorrow. And then at least now we know who the designee will be. It will not be Roger Goodell He dealing with the appeal himself. He has designated an outside party, an outside party that the NFL has a relationship with, an outside party who has handled other arbitrations uh, for the NFL, but nevertheless, an outside party in order to hear this appeal. And so now it'll be probably a matter of weeks here before we get some sort of decision. But with the original ruling from Sue L. Robinson, she kind of put the onus back on the NFL. She kept saying the NFL didn't punish these things harshly enough in the past is essentially what she was saying. So I can only do six games. We can't just all of a sudden reverse course and and up the punishment for something that you have maybe taken too lightly in the past without notice to the players. She kept uh, mentioning president and how notice needs to be given. If you're going to punish these things more harshly in the future, you need to provide notice, change policies, do it another way. Well, Dan Graziano, ESPN's NFL insider, was on Spain and Fitz, and he actually addressed that issue about the NFL possibly changing their personal conduct policy. Basically, Graziano said that the NFL may look to change their personal conduct policy. And Nick, that's essentially what Sue L. Robinson was doing with her opinion is she was basically putting the onus on the NFL. Like, Hey, this is up to you to change the policy. This is up to you to provide notice to the players. that This is how things are going to be handled moving forward. And Amber, that's what was intriguing about watching this process unfold is that so many people thought that two L Robinson would come in and say, all right, I'm going to chart this new direction and how I deliver out this opinion well maybe she did just in the way in a different way than everybody expected <laughs> and throwing it back to the league as you're saying and going hey y'all need to fix what's broken here first if you want to move forward and get the rulings that you you want to get but I just want to make sure as a fan that I'm clear on the next step in this process because if Roger Goodell designates as as we found out today Harvey and Harvey tacks on a few more games in this case, Amber, or a little bit more money. Can Deshaun Watson and his legal team go back and then appeal that decision? Or is this all now binding whatever Harvey deems it to be? Well, that's the end of the process in terms of the NFL. Now, the NFLPA and Watson's camp could run to federal court and try to sue the NFL there. This is the process, though, in terms of the NFL and the NFLPA under the collectively bargained agreement where they decided this would be the process. So this will be the end of the road in that regard. But there is another avenue. In other words, that the NFLPA and Watson could decide to take. They may not decide to take. It's all going to be dependent on what happens here with the NFL. We do now have that sound, it appears, from Dan Graziano, ESPN's NFL insider, when he was on Spain and Fitz talking about how the NFL may change its personal conduct policy. Post-Ray Rice, they established a personal conduct policy that was unilateral, right? The union was not involved in crafting that. So the, the league could certainly do that again, uh, and, and establish a, 
a new policy that would account for that. Yes, that, that's something to watch out for, for sure. Which is exactly what Sue L. Robinson was saying. Now, there does appear to be some confusion on our airwaves that I've heard over the last couple of days where people want this appeal to be that. They think that the appeal will be noticed to the players. That ain't how it works. No. How it works is them changing policy, and that provides the notice. You can't now provide notice to Deshaun Watson. The incidents have already allegedly occurred. That's the problem, Nick. It's like likening it to uh, people always understand criminal law, I feel like, better than civil law. So it's easier to use those examples because those are the examples on our television shows and movies. So if you think about somebody committing a crime, you can't like commit the crime and then all of a sudden you decide the punishment after the fact. They're supposed to know the thing is illegal before they commit the crime. That's the warning, right? You can't punish... uh, uh, retroactively for things that occurred. That's not how we do them. You need to know something is illegal and then when it is illegal and then you commit the act, then all of a sudden you can get punished for it. We can't go back. We don't decide something's illegal today and then go back and punish you for it 20 years ago, even though that's when you did it, when it wasn't illegal 20 years ago. And this is kind of what she's saying. Like the notice has to be given to the players. This is how we're going to punish sexual misconduct and sexual assault moving forward. We're going to punish it very harshly. It's exactly what they did after Ray Rice. After Ray Rice, they decided, you know what? Six game minimum for offenses that we deem violent in nature, domestic violence. They have a whole category that they have defined, which is the NFL's distinction, by the way, between violent and nonviolent. And they had deemed violent to be a six game minimum. They provided that notice to player. So any player who commits an infraction thereafter with those allegations gets the six minimum plus. And they have that notice. That's essentially what she's asking them to do here with nonviolent as well. Well, Amber, here's the problem. The NFL screwed up in the Ray Rice case initially, then tried to fix it. Mm -hmm. They uh, screwed up in plenty of other cases beforehand. And in this case, the public push all along was, what did Deshaun Watson do? He needs to pay the price for that. And so the NFL comes in thinking that, as usual, it will get its way with the judge's ruling, and it hasn't yet. So whether or not they do off this appeal remains to be seen, but all of these issues that the NFL has had to this point, so many of them have been self-inflicted in hand, in how they've handled that initial case. And uh, it, I, I can't blame them specifically in this case because they tried to keep Roger Goodell out of the light, and they tried to put this in the hands of somebody else, but they didn't define exactly what they needed to in the proper time, and now they're paying the price for that lack of action in the years that led up to this point. Yeah, Sue L. Robinson essentially said, you kind of messed this one up too, right? You screwed this one up too because you hadn't punished this thing harshly enough in the past. So I don't have a basis to all of a sudden punish this as harshly as public perception may want me to, is essentially what she was saying. You need to change your policy and then you can fix this thing moving forward. But again, not as it pertains to Deshaun Watson. So we'll see what happens here on Appeal and maybe another step after that going to federal court, which is a very difficult step for Watson and the NFLPA's camp, but one that we may see them attempt to take. Coming up next, what does all of this mean for the Cleveland Browns? We will get into that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Amber Wilson and Nick Friedel filling in for the guys. You can follow us both on Twitter at Nick Friedel. That's him at Amber W Sports. That's me. So we have been covering a lot of ground on today's show, and there's a lot happening in the NFL. Plus, we actually have an NFL game tonight. The Hall of Fame game kicks off at 8 p.m. Eastern. Raiders, Jags, uh, it's missing a bunch of starters. Who cares? It is NFL football. It will be on our televisions. That's what matters here. But let's talk all things NFL. Lewis Riddick, ESPN's NFL analyst, joins us. And Lewis, thanks for joining us. Uh, Obviously, the Deshaun Watson headlines have just dominated the airwaves over the last couple days. How much of this constant conversation around Deshaun Watson do you think impacts the locker room in Cleveland? Well, I think professional athletes, whether it be football, basketball, baseball, are some of the greatest compartmentalizers that there are walking the face of the earth because once the games actually start, like fortunately we're going to get tonight, you know, in the Hall of Fame game, players aren't out there aren't out there thinking about Deshaun Watson's issues or thinking about what they're going to be asked after the game or thinking about anything other than trying to be a professional and be, do the very best job at their craft. I, I think players – although there may be some talk about certain things in a locker room when you're talking about something as heavy and as important and as impactful as this situation surround surrounding Deshaun Watson players, you know, they really do try to keep it about the profession. And the only time they really are talking about it is when they're asked about it by us by us in the media and, and we have a job to do and they understand that. And, you know, and then they, and then they, uh, they do what they have to do, try and get in and out as quickly as possible and then get back to the job at hand. So I think right now, because it's, it's so new and it's so fresh as it relates to the decision and now the appeals process, um, I think it's obviously going to dominate a little bit more within their locker room. But I think once this really starts to settle down from a procedural process, what happens to Cleveland on the field is going to be about what happens on the field. It's not going to be in any way attributed to, well, remember when I had to answer those questions back on August the 4th about such and such and such and such. It's not going to, it's not going to be a factor. Right or wrong, that's how guys in the NFL, that's how guys in professional sports are wired, and I don't think the case will be any different with this team. Lewis, as we wait to see what happens with the appeal, if the Browns believe there is a chance that the NFL's designee in the appeal process doles out a, a, a harsher penalty, do you think mm-hmm. Cleveland should consider trading for Jimmy G? Sure. If in, if in their 
assessment and their evaluation of Jacoby Brissett, of Josh Dobbs, of Josh Rosen, through training camp up until this point and on forward, if they believe that those individuals cannot take advantage of what they have put together from a roster standpoint, yeah, it's 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 within Andrew Barry's duty to go ahead and see if there's a way in which they can improve the position. I mean, it's just it's not the normal way in which you go about improving a position, especially after you've already given a player at that position the richest contract in the history of the NFL. But that's the job. That's the job from a personnel department standpoint. And I, I, it's going to be interesting. I think Jacoby, as much as he has been put into, you know, weird situations throughout his career as far as, you know, coming onto the football field, replacing players due to injury or otherwise, he is not of the same caliber obviously is Deshaun Watson, but now he is going to be put under the spotlight in a way in which I'm sure he never, ever anticipated he would be put under. And, but that, that's also what comes with the territory. And um, when you have a guy like Jimmy Lumen out there and you have the salary cap space to go ahead and absorb his salary in a trade scenario. Yeah. I think it's something that you're going to have some long, hard talks about in those personnel meetings that you have every night in training camp you know, with the front office, with the coaching staff, and as far as figuring out where they are as a football team. I don't think there's any question that Jimmy's name has come up, and if it hasn't, it's going to come up real, real soon. Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. So, Lewis, outside of Cleveland, where else is the best landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, I've, I've long said that I believe it's Seattle. San Francisco will never trade him to Seattle. It wouldn't be real football smart to do so to help out a division rival to give them someone who's a proven winner someone who people respect in the locker room and someone who quite honestly would fit right right into that offense because of his familiarity with the version that they run out there by uh run by offensive coordinator Shane Waldron who was an assistant in LA and who worked with Sean McVay Sean McVay worked with uh Kyle Shanahan this is all the same tree it's it's a perfect perfect marriage in my estimation between a team that, that really has done a lot of great work this offseason, that being Seattle, as far as trying to fortify their offensive line. they got some strong running backs. They just re-signed DK. Um, they have a defense that's going to be improving, drafted some real good defensive backs, have a young pass. But there's a lot of things going in Seattle that right now they just need a quarterback. But there's no way Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to go, hey, here, let us help you out. Let us give you our guy who was a throw away from winning the Super Bowl. No, they're not going to do that. But if Cleveland doesn't doesn't trade for him or some other team doesn't trade for him, and Jimmy eventually before the beginning of the season has to get released by San Francisco, if I'm John Schneider, the GM of Seattle, I'm all over that immediately. Lewis, we finally get some football back on the field tonight in the Hall of Fame game with the Raiders and the Jags. When people ask why it will be different, for Josh McDaniels this time around in <laughs> Vegas compared to Denver, what yeah. do you think the answer should be? Because he's been honest with himself. I've gotten to know Josh very well over the past four or five years. And he's a guy who understands what went wrong for him by his own doing during his time in Denver, how he was trying to be something that he's not, trying to be someone who he's not, and he wasn't honest with himself and wasn't being his authentic self. And he learned a lot from that. 
He's taken a lot of lumps, and rightfully so for that. And he went back to the drawing board during his time back in New England again. He's a guy who was a fantastic coach. There's no question about that. He can X and O with the best of them. He communicate, can communicate with the best of them on the practice field. He can call games with the best of them when it counts the most, not just during the regular season, but obviously in the biggest of moments. So he's a guy who now takes everything that he learned from Denver, everything that he then worked on and tried to perfect during his second stint in New England when he went back there, and now has a chance to do it his way. Not try to do it Bill's way, not try to do it the Patriot way, but try to do it the Josh McDaniels way. And I think you'll see him do that. I, I, I truly do believe that. There are many people who believe, you know, they like to try and put people in certain boxes once they make a mistake or once they, you know, fail in the manner in which he failed. But I don't believe that's care that's fair in this case. And I think once he gets this team constructed the way he wants at all the different positions, and, and by that I mean, look, Vegas is good, but their offensive line's a problem. But once he's able to get that figured out, I don't see any reason why he won't be success- successful. I think he's a fantastic coach, and uh, I look forward to watching his team tonight, even if it's with you know, many of the best players standing on the sideline eating sunflower seeds or whatever the heck they're going to eat. Yeah, we're going to see a snippet of it tonight, the Hall of Fame game, 8 p.m. Eastern, Raiders and Jags. Lewis Riddick, ESPN NFL analyst. Lewis, thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Canty and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up next, the Deshaun Watson appeal is not the only breaking news from today. We'll get to it next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Interesting update out of Arizona Cardinals camp where Kyler Murray, he had taken some time off for a while there. He had tested positive for COVID and then he was taking a rest day. But Cliff Kingsbury still found a way to keep Kyler involved in the offense. Cliff Kingsbury explained that he wanted Kyler Murray to have the experience of calling some offensive plays so that Murray will understand apparently Cliff Kingsbury's perspective when it comes to calling plays during game time. So here's the quote from the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He said, I just wanted him to know that, hey, this bleep ain't easy. Killing Kingsbury said in reference to Kyler Murray. And then he went on to say, every now and then he starts shaking his head when I'm calling it in there. I'm like, all right, big dog. So Cliff Kingsbury wants Kyler to understand how difficult play calling is in the NFL. Also, I wonder, Nick, is this some sort of test from Kingsbury to be like, yo, Kyler, have you been learning that playbook? Have you been doing your homework, boss? Oh, this is rich. Amber. <laughs> the timing is great. Given everything that we heard in the last week about that clause in the contract, I, I don't think that Cliff Kingsbury would throw that part out there, but I do love the idea that he's just saying, hey, Kyler, you, you okay with everything? You, you're going to make sure that everything's good? So I did get a chuckle when I saw this, but uh, the, the timing is really something given the uproar that was caused because of that little clause in the deal. I think this is probably a great idea. I think you should probably have all quarterbacks do this at some point. It's probably is. There probably is a disconnect between players and coaches often where players probably feel like I could do your job. You know, like it can't be that hard. You know, I know this playbook too. I, I know how to decide what play we're doing. Fine. I know how to call it out. And I would imagine that it's much more complicated than that. And so from Kingsbury's perspective, it's like, hey, Let's allow Kyler this experience so that he appreciates me more as a coach 
and that he appreciates the process more. But then also it is a little way to test Kyler's knowledge because, of course, you have to be hugely knowledgeable of the playbook in order to call offensive plays. So I actually like this. But even if Kyler didn't have a problem in terms of his studying habits, I still think it's probably a good idea for coaches to give players a taste of what they do for a living. I just love the idea that this topic, Amber, came up inside the office's and all the Cardinals brass are sitting there going, <laughs> this will show everybody that Kyler knows exactly what's happening. So uh, <laughs> the, the timing was great, and, and I'm with you. If you're Kingsbury, you just give a little reminder that it's a lot more difficult than it appears to be. Uh, apparently much more difficult, at least according to Kingsbury, his job ain't so easy. Maybe Kyler Murray now has an appreciation for it. Zamber Wilson and Nick Friedel, we've been filling in for the guys. You can give us a call, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Brittany Griner was sentenced today in a Russian court to nine years in a Russian prison. We know that she has been wrongfully detained in Russia. That's a categorization from our own State Department. She has been wrongfully detained for six months in Russia. Six months sounds like an eternity. I would imagine it feels like an eternity if you're Brittany Griner or any of her loved ones or her teammates, her family, and her friends. However, we did learn when we had TJ Quinn on earlier, who's ESPN's investigative reporter, that actually six months to get from the arrest to a sentencing in Russia is a fairly expedited process. So it appears that there's been a lot of public pressure here in our country, rightfully so, to try to get Brittany Griner home. We know our government had made it clear that they hadn't tried to negotiate with Russia for a prisoner swap. It's pretty unprecedented and unheard of that we even got that information. But we also know that for whatever reason, the Russians also seem to have not wanted to drag their feet when it comes to Brittany Griner because they have sped up this Brittany Griner process maybe more so than they normally do with similar situations in the past. So what does a nine-year prison sentence now mean? Uh, it means that maybe the Russians and the Americans can go back to the drawing board in terms of trying to negotiate Brittany Griner getting home. TJ Quinn, again, I mentioned investigative reporter for us. He was on with us earlier in the show, and he gave us a timeline to look for when it comes to Griner coming home. There's really not, and... You know, from what I've come to understand over the past few months uh, and, and looking at previous cases, it could come together tonight and it wouldn't be a shock. It could drag out for a couple of years. You've got, you know, typically I'll give Russia a little credit. They're right. Usually these things are done very quietly behind closed doors. Uh, the reason the U.S. says uh, it broke precedent and Secretary of State Antony Blinken flat out said we were seeking a deal they said they were frustrated with Russia's response, that they made what they called a, a credible, significant offer, and that Russia came back with something they considered ridiculous. So it was like they were calling them out. But I think what anybody following this needs to keep in mind is you don't know what you don't know. There are so many different levels to this in conversations. It is not as simple as Joe Biden calling Vladimir Putin saying, hey, let's cut a deal. We learned later in the, that interview that that response from Russia that the deal apparently that they offered was uh, that they wanted 
a Russian being held in Germany for murder as part of a prisoner exchange that would also have involved a Russian arms dealer being held in our country who was sentenced to 25 years in prison. And they wanted an exchange. It would be Brittany Griner and another American held over there. So that was what they were trying to negotiate for. Uh, those negotiations certainly fell apart. We learned about those negotiations, Nick. It felt like to me, frankly, that our government was trying to send us all a message publicly. Like, hey, we are doing everything we can to try to get Brittany Griner home. But these situations are so complicated when you're trying to get an American home who's been wrongfully detained in another country and is essentially being held and used as a political pawn during war time in the country that she's being held in. Amber, I agree with you completely, though. I felt like that was what the government was was trying to say to all of us. Hey, we're trying here. And there was a feeling, certainly in the beginning, that maybe the government wasn't doing everything it could behind the scenes. And there was a reason, and we talked about it with TJ, why everybody was so quiet initially. And then as the frustration grew, and Brittany Griner sat in a jail cell somewhere in Russia. Everybody kind of went, what is going on? And there is no question that the tenor in how everyone was responding changed. And everybody went, all right, we need to put more pressure on the government to do what they can. So uh, from a PR standpoint, it certainly seems that the government heard the message. They are trying to do as much as possible, but there are so many different layers. And I thought, TJ articulated it very well because what you don't know in this stuff, uh, only a a very, very small handful of of people do. And so as much as everybody wants to see Brittany Griner come home, there are a lot of different issues that are going to have to be worked out behind the scenes to make sure that this is something that all parties involved with sign off on. Right. What does it mean for other Americans? What does it mean for other Americans wrongfully detained abroad? What does it mean in terms of bargaining with a country successfully then where they detain one of yours wrongfully and then you're allowing prisoner swaps to occur? And so you're sort of sending the message, hey, detaining Americans can end up being a valuable asset when it comes to government exchanges. And so that's all part of the consideration and all part of the problem when it comes to trying to negotiate her coming home. Everybody wants Brittany Griner coming home, though, and at least we know that our government is working to get her home. And you're right, it was very quiet in the beginning when this story first broke. And I thought one of the reasons for that might have been to try to protect Griner, where you're trying to not make the noise too loud back here so maybe they don't feel like she's as valuable of an asset, you know, that they don't necessarily have this huge celebrity that's worth so much that they'll be able to get so much in return for her. And then it just turned out, hey, we need to be screaming from the mountaintops to try to get Brittany Griner home. But Russians officials made it really clear that no prisoner swap could happen until their court process played out. DJ Quinn told us their court process is basically theater. Uh, There's no legitimacy to it, but nevertheless, they take it seriously. They wanted to finish the process and have a sentence handed down before they would involve themselves in a prisoner swap. So we've gotten to that point now. Amber, the hardest part here is the unknown because nobody has any clear cut answers as to when this may happen and when Griner may be safe again. And that part for everyone, even from a distance, is so frustrating because you're thinking, uh, what if it were to happen to me? And that's the thing that I think a lot of Americans are trying to balance in their minds as they 
watch this story unfold over the last few months. Yes, the other wrongfully detained American over there that's part of these prisoner swap negotiations with Brittany Griner has been held over there since, I believe, 2018. So his ordeal, and I believe he's a former U.S. Marine, has been going on for years trying to get him home. So we will see where this story goes, but she has been convicted at least today. So maybe that means that it can move forward in trying to negotiate her home. Chris Canty and Chris Carlin are Canty and Carlin. Don't miss them weekdays on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.